Hi, I'm Doug Weiss. And I'm Alvian Lyons. This is Love Life. Alvian, a few weeks ago in one of our episodes, we talked about why couples quarrel. Right. And I think we agreed that one of the topics, one of several, that uh, is frequently the subject of those quarrels is money. Mm-hmm. You know, the saying, what's yours is mine, is mine. <laughs> or sometimes it comes out, what's yours is mine, what's is mine, mine is mine, mine, is mine. And mine. what's ours is mine. <laughs> mine. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the question is, why is this such a contentious subject for men and women? Why can't they navigate this topic more capably? Right. What What's the sore point here? Why does everybody end up coming out bleeding? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what I've experienced in terms of um, my, you know, counseling and clinical work and so on and so forth over the years really comes down to what value we place on money, mm-hmm. what it means to us. Mm-hmm. And it means something different to each person, often based on how they were raised and what their experiences were. For instance, when I've worked with couples where there is a large disparity between their socioeconomics as children, one will relate to money, particularly if they did not have a lot of it, in the perspective of security, that money helps to secure you from all of the ills that exist inside of the world, where someone who has been raised in a sort of affluent environment orients to money in terms of very fluid. It just comes and it's and there's an abundance of it. So there's no fear of losing it per se. So you you literally have a scarcity versus an, an abundance mentality towards money, which can often create conflict because you have one who is comfortable with spending because they're comfortable with it coming back. And you have one who's afraid of spending for the fear that there won't be any more. As one example, the other example that can happen is same two experiences, one coming from money, one who didn't. How you acquire your money sometimes matters too. Because if you are wealthy, but you come from a poor family who worked very hard to get to your wealth, so now you register to the world as someone of affluence, but they don't recognize the story associated with that climb, and you marry somebody who has not been affluent, but has always desired affluence for its accoutrement, they're often looking to spend it to be able to show who they are Mm -hmm. in order to establish value and status. So there, and those are not the only examples, but just some examples I see often in terms of the differences in the way that people relate to the money. And because of that, it becomes conflict because we think we're just talking about $50, $500, $5,000. But what we're really talking about is the scared child that was afraid that there would not be any food next week mm-hmm. or the the affluent individual who never had to worry because you had private tutors and housekeepers and this, that, and the other, so it was no big deal to you. So that doesn't mean anything to you the way that it means something to me, which almost feels disrespectful that you could be so laissez-faire about money and so casual with it. Mm-hmm. So those, but, it's what, but what we're speaking to is our inner child 
in relation to money and the way we saw ourselves reflected in the world because of our financial status. Mm -hmm. So I see conflict and hear conflict a lot around those issues because of the differences in the way that we connect to the money that we have. Yeah. I think another dimension of the scarcity abundance Mm -hmm. dichotomy that you talk about is risk and reward. Mm -hmm. There are personalities, I would classify myself, for instance, as, as one of these, who are risk takers. Yes. But I let me quantify this carefully. I am too. Um, you could take me out to Las Vegas and I, I will take an amount of money, not mm-hmm. a, a, right. an egregious amount of money. Right. And I, you know, I'll go play blackjack for a while. And if I win, great. If I don't, okay. <laughs> right. I've, I will stop at the point that I have lost the money I, I brought. Right. I don't go for the next, (laughs) you know. No more withdrawals. I'm not going to the bank. I'm going to get it back. Um, I'm I'm not a risk taker in that regard. Right. Because because there's nothing that I can do to affect the outcome, uh, you know, particularly in in most of these games. It's not Mm -hmm. not games of skill. Poker might be different, but but certainly not in blackjack. There are things you can do to improve, but some of those things will get you tossed out of a casino. (laughs) Right. when it comes to business, however, I'm an absolute risk taker. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I've started companies and built companies. And in, in working for others, I've never been guided by anything other than you know, my sense of what, of what is right based upon knowledge and some degree of intuition. Yeah. And so I would describe myself as a risk-taking personality. Me too. Uh, there are people who are absolutely risk-averse. Absolutely. The the thought of taking a chance. And I worked for a guy once who was like this. Early in my career, um, he, he, he and his partner started a company, and and I was their like, number three guy mm-hmm. and running the largest part of their company. And the one fellow was a risk taker. He was the one that went out, raised the money, had the, you know, the passion around this. The other one was kind of a bean counter. <laughs> And that, that literally he had been with, with a large um, accounting firm, and he was the numbers guy. Uh-huh. But he could never make a decision. <laughs> he would avoid making the decision at all costs. And it was incredibly frustrating and difficult to work with him because he would delay and delay and delay. Meanwhile, events would overtake us. Mm-hmm. And one day, I, in a fit of frustration, I walked into his office, and I said, and I won't use his name here, but a, but a surrogate name, Mark, you know, you think that you've escaped making a decision, but you haven't, my friend. Abdication is a decision. Right. And that's what you've done. You've abdicated mm-hmm. by not participating in the decision. So since you feel that you can't make a decision, I'm not going to ask you anymore. I'm just going to make <laughs> decisions. And if you don't like that, you know what you can do about it? Make a decision. Make a decision. <laughs> Literally. That was the conversation. And, and uh, you know, so, th- so, th- so that's a, the risk-averse personality. Mm-hmm. I think often in relationships, there's a mismatch. Mm. And, and one person is the risk-taker. The other one's the risk-averse. And so they come at every situation with, as you said, a very different orientation. Right. One fears the outcome. The other one sees the possibility. Of the outcome. Absolutely. And finding that middle ground, I think, is an important thing. Again, this applies to relationships 
of every kind in business, in life, Mm -hmm. in general. One way is to try to, you know, create the, the, what I call the Ben Franklin list, you know, the pros and cons. Okay, we can do this. What are the upsides? What are the potential rewards of this? And what are the risks? And can we quantify or are there things we can do to mitigate some we're never going to mitigate all the risks, but can we mitigate some of the risks? Can I allay some of your fears? But it also requires that risk-averse person to come back and say, I can see the benefits to us of taking these chances. Right. I was around a couple um, the other day. And, 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 and this is a fantastic couple. They're just, you can tell that they deeply care about each other. They're actually into each other. Uh, he had a, a fascinating childhood, a difficult childhood, self-made guy, mm. founded a company and grew it into a multi-million dollar company. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point he was out, you know, buying Lamborghinis for himself. <laughs> True story. Um, you know, as a reward. You know. <laughs> for all his hard work. Right. Uh, and, as is often the case, you know, he rolled the dice one one time and it didn't work, work and right. he went the other direction and then he was on the on the on the losing end of the proposition. Mm. Um, but but had the self confidence, had the energy and the innate risk taking personality to want to keep going at it, and he's in another venture now. Meanwhile, his wife is working mm. and she's helping to support them while he's taking these Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, steps to, to build the next big thing. thing. Right. Often you see this in relationships. If you go back and you look at people who have been fa- fantastically successful, you'll find that there's been another person there ha- behind the scenes, keeping things going, Amen. enabling them to be the risk taker. Yes, indeed. But when couples fight about about money and it turns negative, often it's because... They haven't found a way to reach an intelligent compromise between the fear mm-hmm. and the reward, the, right. you know, the sense of risk and the rewards of risk, because they are, as you said, fundamentally coming from a different orientation that probably began early in life. And once that die is cast, it's, you can't turn a, a risk-averse person into a risk-taker. You're Don't absolutely try. Absolutely right. All you can do is address the fundamental concerns that are underneath mm-hmm. the, their behavior, and attempt to allay those fears. You know, there's. I like you um, happen to have been an entrepreneur for several years. It's not mm-hmm. that I didn't work for other other entities, but pretty quickly in, I figured out that I really wanted to do my own thing. And in so doing, in, in building a company, I, two things that I learned where money was concerned. One was that it would not have been possible if my husband was wired exactly like I was. One of us needed to have the constant, mm-hmm. the health insurance plan, the you know be able to pay the mortgage. One of us needed to be constant while the other reached for you know, the, the higher limb. So we had to figure out early on, and we came from very different socioeconomic experiences, mm-hmm. um, but we fi- had to figure out early on in our conversations to be able to hear what each other needed and to be able to accommodate those needs so that each of us could do and have what we needed inside of that relationship. So the, the consistency of safety that was necessary to be able to keep our family okay and above water, we never got to a point where we lived on two incomes. Mm-hmm. We made sure that we kept our life at a level that it fit 
what he could afford to mm-hmm. provide for us so that whether it worked or didn't work for me in my reach for the higher limb, it didn't damage us as a family. And when it did work and has consistently, thank God, um, I was able to do what we, in essence, created. His responsibility is to be able to pay the bills and take care of us. My responsibility in the family is to build wealth so that together we're able to both have what we need and to pursue what we want. But it had to be a very responsible decision and honest communication that you referenced before that spoke to what each of our fundamental needs are. I need to be able to reach for the risk. That mm-hmm. is how I'm wired. Right. I and, would, and Matt enables you. And that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. I could never have done it without him because when you swing for the fences, you miss sometimes. Right. And there, and you don't go from zero to six figures Overnight, there Mm -hmm. is a building process. And when you're an entrepreneur, sometimes contracts go through, sometimes they don't. So there are things that we learn in our language around money that really only magnify the language that exists inside of our relationships, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, not to put a cap on this, but I think that it starts from the fact that what we have is ours, Mm -hmm. We should make decisions together. When you make unilateral decisions, you violate that fundamental trust, and that's where fear creeps in. Creeps in. Right. And you need to have an open conversation about the why and the wherefore of taking risks, right. of mitigating what you can mitigate, mm-hmm. and addressing the fears of the person who is risk-averse. Absolutely. That goes a long way towards addressing the contentions that arise in these money issues. Let's be frank. Scarcity of any kind, Mm -hmm. always creates an environment in which it's much, much harder to have that conversation without it being emotionally fraught. Indeed. But it is possible to do that. And I think what we would counsel is that, again, start from a place of trust with your partner. Start by acknowledging the differences between you and, and agreeing that you need a plan to address them. Absolutely. You can do money, but you got to do it smart. That's another episode. Thank you, Chelsea (laughs) Washington, for producing. Todd Washburn, our recording engineer. We'll be back next week with another great topic. Yes, indeed. And we hope you'll be joining us for that. And in the meantime, if you'd like to write to us, you can reach us at Doug at lovelife.digital. Or Albion at lovelife.digital. And we will be back next week. I look forward to spending more time with you. Thank you for listening. See you then. Bye.